Coming up today on The Daily Walk, the importance of walking through this life in anticipation of the Lord's soon return. There are many people today, sadly, I believe, even in the church. At one time, they were well aware of the fact that Jesus was coming again. And maybe in the back of their mind, they still know it's probably going to happen. But right now, he's delayed his coming. And so I'm just going to live like I want to live. Live like I don't know him. But when it comes right down to it and the trumpet sounds, listen, I'm going. I am there. But up to that point, I'm going to live like I've always lived. Don't be deceived. God isn't mocked, the Bible says. Whatever a man or a woman sows, that they're going to reap. Don't think that you can just live an ungodly life until the Lord comes and somehow everything's good to go. I would never want a person in that condition to ever feel comfortable. It's great to have you along as we present A Daily Walk. Pastor John Randall is currently surveying the book of Luke. We're at the midway point of our journey, and today we pause to consider the imminent return of Christ. Now, at that on the horizon, how should we be living? It is going to be the most glorious of all days when the Lord returns, but should we just be sitting around doing nothing as we wait? Far from it. Find your place in Luke chapter 12, and let's get prepared for what's soon to come. As the church of Jesus Christ... We are to be waiting expectantly. Waiting expectantly. Look again at verse 35. Jesus said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. And when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Jesus exhorts his disciples to have their waists girded and lamps burning. This is a picture of a person that is prepared. In those days, men would wear long robes. And if you were to do any kind of activity, you would take that robe and you would pull it up as it were between your legs and tie it off and your legs would be free to move. You were prepared for any kind of activity. To have your lamp burning meant that you were prepared whether it was night or whether it was day. You were ready at a moment's notice. And this implies that you were waiting for something expectantly. The master had gone away, but he informed his servants that he would be returning. He didn't tell them exactly when he would be returning, but they knew that his return was imminent. And thus waiting upon his return, the servants had their waist girded and lamps burning. They were ready for the Lord. They were ready for their master. You remember in Matthew's gospel, the 25th chapter, Jesus told a parable of 10 virgins. Five of them, he said, were wise, and five of them were not wise. The ones that were wise kept their lamps trimmed and burning because they knew the bridegroom was going to come at some moment. They had to be ready. But the five that were unwise, they were not prepared. They did not keep their lamps trimmed and burning. And when the bridegroom came and knocked upon the door, those who were wise were prepared and ready to go. And those who were unwise were not prepared. And they missed the ceremony altogether. Those that were wise were expectantly waiting for the bridegroom. The Bible refers to Jesus as the bridegroom of the bride, which is the church. Are you expectantly waiting this morning for the bridegroom? Are you living as it were with waist girded and lamp burning, ready and prepared? You might not like to wait for anything in this life. It might trouble you to wait for even the simplest things. And patience is 
Not something that you pray for because you don't want to have to learn it. But that's just part of life. But, but sometimes when we're waiting, we don't know if what we're waiting for is actually going to happen. But this is certain. And thus, because it is certain, I am waiting expectantly because I know the Bible says that it's going to happen. And the only reason that Jesus has not yet returned, the Bible tells us, is because he is long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Some of you here today, it's a real good thing that Jesus didn't come back 10 years ago because you wouldn't have been ready. You wouldn't have had your waist girded. Your lamp would not have been burning five years ago, five months ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He doesn't want people to be left behind or miss the great departure, as it were. We are exhorted to be waiting expectantly. But the second thing I want to point out to you, equally as important, number two, found in verses 37 and 40, is we are to be watching intently. Waiting expectantly. But then secondly, watching intently. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. If he should come in the second watch or the third and find them so, blessed are those servants. Three times in these few verses, Jesus uses the word blessed. It's a word that simply means, oh, how happy. How happy is the person, how happy is the servant of the Lord who is watching intently for the return of the master. The word watching is a significant word. It is a word that means to give strict attention to. It is used many times throughout the Bible. Jesus used the word when speaking to his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, he said to them, watch and stand fast in the faith. Paul exhorted the church in Colossae. He said, continue in prayer and watch. In writing to the church of Thessalonica, he said, let us not sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. These people that Paul exhorted, that Jesus exhorted, they got to see the ascension Many of them, of the Lord, the resurrection and the ascension. And throughout the church, the early church beginning, there was a constant reminder to them to be watching intently. If that is the case, and it's been almost 2,000 years, how much more does the church today need to be watching intently for the return of Jesus Christ? When you think about watching something intently, it indicates that there is a need for focus and attention. And let's face it. There are many things that are quite distracting in this world. Many things that cause my focus to be altered and therefore I must employ my mental capacity intentionally focused in a particular direction. Why should I do this? Well, one, it's a command to watch. That's a good reason. But also, I am to be watching because I don't know what hour he's going to arrive. I'm not told that. And let me say this, if anybody ever says, you read it on the internet, you heard it on the radio, you saw it on TV, somebody said, I know when he's coming, it's this particular date. Just know this, that's not when he's coming. Because no man knows the day or the hour. Avoid those people, don't believe them, 
and, you know, whether it's the Mayan calendar or this is going to happen or, you know, all these things that people come up with and, and you realize that's not the day they're coming. Just note that for sure. We don't know, but we do know that he is coming. We just don't know the day or the hour. But another reason why we are to be watching is this blessing that is mentioned. Here it says that when the master comes and finds those people watching intently who have their waist girded and their lamps burning, it says that he will gird himself and he will serve them. Now this is a promise that is rather astounding to me to think that the Lord would be so pleased with the fact that his servants are waiting for him that he's going to serve them. He's going to bless them abundantly. It seems that Jesus modeled this even in the upper room in the Last Supper right before his crucifixion as he girded himself with a towel, the Bible says, and he began to wash all of the disciples' feet. Those that watch intently will be rewarded by the Lord. Those who have loved his appearing and are looking for it, there is a crown of righteousness, the Bible says, that is reserved for them. This is motivation to watch. The Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It hasn't entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But I'm gonna see it and I'm gonna hear it and I'm gonna be able to participate in it and thus I'm watching for it. I'm looking for it intently. Are you watching intently? for the return of Jesus? Or have you lost your focus? Have you forgotten this week where it all is going to end? Is your vision of what truly matters stymied by the things that are robbing you of a clear perspective of watching intently? If you're watching intently, you're gonna be rewarded. You're gonna hear Jesus say, well done, Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want to hear that? Man, I want to hear that from the Lord. It's all worth it if we watch intently. In light of the imminent return of Jesus, we want to be waiting expectantly. We want to be watching intently. But thirdly, I find we are to be working faithfully. Look at what it says in verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, Do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find, notice this, so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. As Jesus continues now, Peter speaks up on behalf of the rest of the disciples. And he asked Jesus if what he was sharing was only for them or if it was for all people. Primarily, this word was spoken to the disciples. Jesus responded by defining for Peter what a faithful and wise steward actually looked like. What a person looked like who was anticipating the return of the Lord. Oh, they'll be waiting, they'll be watching, but it also says they'll be so doing. And so doing implies you're doing something. You are working faithfully for the Lord because you're a steward. Every single person in this room is a steward of something that God has entrusted to you. Every single one of us, for example, is a steward of time. God has allotted to each person a particular amount of time. Am I being a good steward of the time that I have? How am I using my time? 
because I'm going to be held accountable for the way in which I use my time. If you have a family, if you're married, you are a steward of that family. How are you leading that family? If you're a Christian today, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We've been entrusted with a stewardship of the gospel. How am I proclaiming that gospel? Am I proclaiming that gospel? I'm going to be held accountable for what I've been entrusted with. As I consider these things, I ask myself personally the question, Lord, am I being a good steward of what you've entrusted to me? Am I using what you've given me faithfully? What does that look like? Jesus uses one word that I find extremely important, and it is the word faithful. A steward. A steward that's blessed is one who is faithful with what he has been given. Faithful not only in the things that people see and observe, but in things that people never see or may not be aware of. Big things, small things, all things, being faithful as a steward. Now, it's not always easy to be faithful, nor is it always convenient to be consistent. Sometimes it's really challenging to tell you the truth, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and the gratitude for God's faithfulness to me, I respond to live a life of faithful stewardship that's been entrusted to me because one day I know that I'm gonna be held accountable to the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, he spoke a parable concerning a measure of talents that was given by a master to his servants. To one, he gave five. To another, he gave two. To another, he gave one. And then he went away for a period of time. And then he returned. And all of the stewards were held accountable and were to give an account for what they had been given. To the one he gave five, he had faithfully invested it. He had used it wisely and he was rewarded. To the one that he gave two, he did the same thing. He had invested it wisely. He was blessed. The one that he gave one, he said, well, I, you know, I knew that you were an austere man. I took what you gave me and I buried it. I did nothing with it, but I still have it. Here you go. He didn't give him that stewardship so that he could go out in the backyard and bury it. He gave it to him so that he could actually use it and do something with it. Thinking this steward that had won and did nothing with it, thinking he would be rewarded up top. Give me five. Way, way to hold on to it, man. No, he didn't. In fact, he called him a wicked servant because he had not been faithful with what he had been given. And I read that and I think, Jesus, I want to be faithful with, even if you've given me one thing to do, help me to do it to the best of my ability for your glory. What are you doing with what God has given you? Oh, in light of the Lord's return, we are to be waiting expectantly, watching intently, working faithfully. Jesus said we need to work while it's day because night is coming when no man can work. But finally, I think we see here in verses 45 through 48 that we are to live or be living holy. To be living holy lives. Verse 45, but if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat, drink, and be drunk, The master of that servant will come on a day that he's not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant 
who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will will be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, will be beaten with few. For to everyone who much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Jesus now looks at a servant who begins to turn away from the will of the master. And notice a few things about the servant. For one thing, he knew the will of his master in advance. He already knew what his purpose was. He knew that he was a steward. He knew that his master had gone away, and he knew that his master was coming again. But notice what he does. He begins to consider this delay of his master, and he starts to live an immoral, carnal life. Starts drinking, starts partying, starts being intoxicated with the things of this world, and then he starts mistreating people, and and you would never know that he was actually a servant of the master by the way that he lived his life. And here it says the master, when he comes, still coming, still going to show up, will show up, and that man will be held accountable and will be judged as a result of the way that he lived. He had turned away from his purpose of being a servant and a steward of his master. There are many people today, sadly, I believe, even in the church, that that would describe them. At one time, they were well aware of the fact that Jesus was coming again. And maybe in the back of their mind, they still know it's probably gonna happen, but right now, he's delayed his coming, and so I'm just gonna live like I wanna live. Live like I don't know him. But when it comes right down to it and the trumpet sounds, listen, I'm going. I am there. But up to that point, I'm going to live like I've always lived. Don't be deceived. God isn't mocked, the Bible says. Whatever a man or a woman sows, that they're going to reap. Don't think that you can just live an ungodly life until the Lord comes and somehow everything's good to go. I would never want a person in that condition to ever feel comfortable. And if you're in that condition, I pray you're uncomfortable. Don't take it personal. It's part of the job description. But I want to see you to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Here, I want to see you, you know, and myself turning to the Lord. Listen, if you're just kind of going through the motions and the Lord's not coming, people have been talking about the Lord coming forever and I'm just going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do and, and, you know, show up on Sunday and say the name Jesus, but the rest of the week I'm going to live like I don't know him. You're mistaken. You're mistaken. You're missing out on what God wants to do. And you may ultimately miss out when the Lord comes. This is a serious matter. The Apostle Paul wrote this list concerning the things of the flesh. And listen carefully. He describes this list of the flesh, adultery, fornication, intoxication, all these things. He goes down with this list. And then at the very end of that list concerning the flesh, and it's a rather startling list, here's what he says. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is an extremely sobering word. Those that practice. Now it doesn't say those that struggle with or those that seek to repent of or those that seek to live with the Lord. Every single person in here struggles with sin. We all battle it. There's a difference between battling sin and pursuing it. There's a difference between, you know, really repenting of sin and seeking to turn from it and set up accountability for yourself and want to walk with the Lord and still fighting the good fight. And actually, there's no fight at all because you're a prisoner 
And you just do what you've always done before you were saved. Big difference. Don't misunderstand. Those that practice, those who live like they don't know the Lord, the question becomes, do they really know the Lord? It'd be the equivalent, if you're married here today, of you standing there taking vows of love and faithfulness with your spouse, saying that you commit yourself to them, and then... They play the song as you leave and you go out and you start running around with all kinds of different girls or different guys. But you're still married. And people would say, are they actually married? Because I saw him driving around. I saw her over with, is that really, are they, you know, oh yeah, they've been married 15 years. Really? You never know it. You never know it. And I'll tell you this, some Christians, that's the way they live their life. When the Lord called the nation of Israel out on their sin, you know what he said concerning them? He called them his bride, and he said when they had turned to idolatry and turned to all of these things concerning the flesh and disobeyed the word of God, he called it, listen, spiritual adultery. In fact, he took it a step further, and he called it harlotry, prostitution. They had left their first love, and they began to, as it were, in idolatrous ways, be with all kinds of other lovers, the Bible says. And so the Lord consistently called his people to return. And he even promised that if they would return, he would heal their backsliding. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. Jesus is coming again. I mean, that's just a fact. Jesus would go on to talk about those that would be able to discern the weather. If it's cloudy, you know that it's going to rain, he said. If there's a strong south wind, you know that it's going to be offshore, and you know it's going to be warm. You can discern the elements of nature, but you're not discerning the times in which you're living. This is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to discern the times in which we are living. And, and the only way not to discern those times is to just mentally and willfully be ignorant of everything that is around us. But I don't want to live that way. I want to live in light of the return of Jesus. I want to live like he could be back before this service is over. And he could. It appears in scripture that there's one person holding out. Some point, there's going to be one person who's going to give their life to Christ. I don't know who it is. The last person. The trumpet's going to sound. If that's you today, just... Um, would you please uh, <laughs> give your life to the Lord already so we can go? You understand. But it's a serious thing. Are you prepared? The best way to be prepared, first and foremost, is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And until he comes, we are to live in this way. Wait expectantly for him, guys. It's gonna happen. Watch intently. Serve the Lord, working faithfully for his glory. And live holy and completely for Jesus. It's worth it. You've been listening to A Daily Walk with our pastor and teacher, John Randall. We're going through the Gospel of Luke right now. To get the CD that contains today's message for a cost of $5, Go online to adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. 
That toll-free number once again, 877-242-0828. We also house our recent programs at adailywalk.org, and you'll find them on our mobile app as well. Do a search for Calvary South OC and download it for free today. At the beginning of a new year, it's a great time to kickstart your devotional life with the Lord. And we'd like to get a great devotional into your hands to help you along. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall, Pastor John's wife. Recently published and expanded to 366 readings, you can now be encouraged each day for this new year. Maybe request one or two extra to give away. Request A Daily Walk for Women for the special price of $15 when you call 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Please remember, it's your generosity that helps us remain a biblical voice on stations like this one all across the nation. With your help, we're delivering God's good news at a critical time in human history. No gift is too small to be used by God in great ways. Again, our number is 877-242-0828, or you can donate online at adailywalk.org. You know, we're reminded on a continual basis that the Lord is doing great things through the radio and the internet today. And maybe he's doing something amazing in your life. We want to hear about that. Pastor John would be very encouraged by what you have to say. Write to us today by email at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. Come on back next time when Pastor John Randall will share another study in the Gospel of Luke to help us in our daily walk. This program is brought to you by Calvary South OC and made possible through your generosity.